Hello, good morning. Sounds like you can hear me based off of what's behind me. Uh, for those of you that don't know my name, my name is Michael Martinez. Uh, my wife, Yvette, two sons, Ezra and Diego. We've been coming to this church for about two and a half, three years, just before Ezra was born. Uh, originally from this area, uh, as I shared in my offering a few months past, my parents actually used to sell at the Monrovia Street Fair, so I have a lot of memories just in this neighborhood and uh, really fortunate to be up here to share with you uh, what I, th this idea of patience today. Uh, when Josh first reached out to me a few months ago asking if I would consider sharing, I was a little confused. Uh, he brought up the fact that we were going to be speaking on fruits of the Spirit, so I said, cool, I like fruits, I garden, I'm into composting, let's, let's, I, let's do it. But then I saw that I was asked to speak on patience, and a few thoughts entered my mind as far as, like, who did Yvette talk to? Uh, did she share too much in her natural spirit of just sharing? Um, because I was like, did Josh just like strategically pick the people who are like least qualified to speak on these? Like, at least for mine, I haven't visited the others or seen much. But, but when I told you about the topic I was asked to, to speak on, she legitimately like laughed. And that was the affirmation that I needed to, to know that one, I am not patient. Uh, to this message, if no one gets anything out of it, is for me. Um, and I think just from like being a father to a husband, to a son, to a brother, to a coworker, there's many variations and definitions of patience or long suffering or however we see it, but it is something that I am continuing to work with and through. And uh, maybe many parents can relate, or just many people in relationships or just in the state of world can relate, but. Um, I hope we can kind of walk through this together. And as I was kind of preparing for this, I felt like my nerves started to kind of creep in. And I had thoughts of just literally staying silent for like 25, 30 minutes, and then after those 30 minutes, just saying, patience, and then let the kids, <laughs> let, let the kids enter. And, and then I saw when Misty sent out like the little agenda for the preaching, there was already a guided silence. And I was like, oh, Jen took it. Uh, so I have to talk. But there's something about being comfortable in the silence and being okay with verbalizing your self-doubt. Also, just like being a youth ministry major and not really doing this in a long time, I, the ideas of like not preaching it correctly came into mind. Like, am I gonna interpret the scripture correctly? Am I gonna do it justice? And then I just like removed all of that and just said, let's just do it. So these past weeks have been really busy for me and I didn't feel like I was able to invest like my full heart and self into this. But at the same time, I felt like if I did, I would just be in my thoughts kind of like I am right now. Um, so in all seriousness, I ask for your grace and patience with me. Uh, I hope to share what I feel like this verse or scripture relates to where we are as a church. And I'd like to start off by just kind of reading the scripture. I don't have slides, so you're going to have to listen to me and look at me, so I apologize. Galatians 5, 22 through 26 reads, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. I think I'm supposed to say something sometimes, but I forget. It's like, word of the Lord, and then... That's, that's when I, I say that after a verse. <laughs> uh, 
I know this, ooh, I know this morning it's my job to kind of isolate a specific fruit on patients that I'm personally failing miserably at, but I want us to remember that all of these fruits are connected. They all coexist and they are the embodiment of the spirit at work within our lives. I know we talked about love twice already in this series, but shortly before we get to the Galatians and learn of the fruits of the spirit, we hear about the many attributes of love. A uh, common verse we, we all are very familiar with in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The word of the Lord. This shows me that love is patient. Shows me that patience is love. Kindness is patience. Patience is gentleness. Love is self-control. Joy is goodness. Goodness is being patient and it continues and continues and continues. But they're all connected and I want us to remember that. They're not, they don't function in isolation. And although we're not going to spend the whole time just looking at patience in isolation, I do want to give some time to talk about what are the contributing factors as to why it's so patient to, why is it so hard to even be patient and be still in times like today? There are many definitions of patience, some saying the quality of waiting calmly without complaining, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Long suffering translates to having or showing patience in spite of troubles. Troubles, the state of our current world could not define that word even better. I feel like between our political climate our environmental catastrophes that are taking place to the issues fitting our, facing our cities and zip codes, it's hard to be still and wait. Also, there's just this natural desire of things to move forward and progress that competes and that combats our ability to be still and be patient. Uh, we, are, we very much live in a time where we are just overly stimulated. We can quickly receive information at any time we want this idea of texting to, hey, I want to talk to you, so let's FaceTime or let's talk and see each other. I can communicate with anyone around the world. If I want to know how many cups are in a court, I say, hey, Siri, and she responds, assuming Siri is a she. There's home assistance, Alexa's, smart homes, apps that get us anything we want when we want it. If we wanted food, I could order it from my phone. If I wanted to file our taxes, I can also do that from my phone. You want to refinance your house? I got you. You want to book a trip or order anything you want and have it arrive the same day? Let's do it now. We scroll until something grabs our attention. We live in a state of on-demand, very much so. So how do we tolerate delay when we know we can have it now? How do we show patience in the midst of, in the midst of adversity? And how do we endure hardships without seeking revenge in this state? My response to that, since I don't know, is, is not alone, not in isolation. So I guess the title of this short message for these next few minutes is maybe not so much focusing on the fruit, because I don't possess that specific fruit, but I know how to grow fruit, and I know how to take care of trees, sort of. Don't come to my house, because they're, they're pretty poor right now. But the title is Tree Care, Self Care, investing in our soil and soul. And I want to start off by saying, 
what is needed to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. As I just mentioned, since I'm still searching, let's talk about what is needed to cultivate fruit in general. To me, the trees are the embodiment of what it means to be patient. You can kind of add something to stimulate growth, but it's not a microwave approach. It's not something that happens next day. It's the opposite of on-demand. I hope that we can have a conversation, or at least assume it's a conversation, even though I'm just talking at you, about what's needed to create the conditions for fruit to grow. Show of hands, who here has fruit trees in their yard or has grown up with a fruit tree? Cool. Uh, some of us have developed, some of us have inherited or developed mature trees. Some of us have been so courageous to plant bare root trees. And some of us just simply have an interesting relationship with our trees, uh, to say the least. But for the majority of us who kind of have worked with fruit trees in the past, there's one common practice that supports the growth as well as new fruit. Does anyone want to shout what this practice is for those of us who have cared for trees? Pruning. For those of us that don't know what pruning is, it's literally chopping off branches strategically or just praying before you do it. To someone who is new to tree care, pruning makes little to no sense and can be quite confusing, specifically for my two, almost three-year-old son, Ezra, who gets sad when I cut the tree. Because why would you remove or hurt the tree? But in pruning, we are literally cutting parts of ourselves off, and we are cutting branches that produce the most delicious, beautiful fruit in the past. Well, but, and we have to ask ourselves, why would we do such a thing? This made me reflect on the fact that there are things in our lives that we need to let go and cut out as well to support the health and longevity of ourself and our growth. It requires patience, it requires us to foresee the future, and it must, it allows us to take the time to clean the debris within ourselves. For those of us who've pruned, there's this kind of common standard law that pruners or arborists use, and it's called the four Ds. If a branch is deranged, damaged, diseased, or dead. And when I, when I thought of those, I was like, wow, that's really applicable to the branches or things in our lives that kind of take up space within our, within our own tree. Deranged branches are branches that are brushing up once against the other, causing opportunities for pests to kind of enter the scar tissue. And there's many conflicting ideas, thoughts, and sometimes relationships that are brushing up against within myself and my own understanding that take up space that need to be pruned. Damaged branches. Sometimes I think that relates to past hurts that we're holding on to that could be pruned as well. Diseased branches. Could this be a toxic relationship or just toxic comparison that is taking ownership of a branch or limb? Or dead branches. Branches that are occupying space and we're chill, still trying to revive. Knowing very well, in fact, that that is not the case, and we are unable to do so. So just like us, trees develop unhealthy habits. Not all growth is healthy growth, and we simply do not have the energy to pour into every one of our limbs or branches. Question is, what perhaps was something that gave you life in the past, something that was once strong, bright, and life-giving? Are we still holding on to it, hoping that it will do what it did in the past? friendships, a career choice, perhaps a strong belief in something or someone that we're still holding on to. For me, personally, it was cutting out this, what others were defining success for me. Um, and really taking the time to define it for myself. 
being ashamed to talk about what I do in like social circles and just being still and, and being patient and being confident and being able to share my story as well. In trees, there's also what's called co-dormant leaders, where there's literally two branches that kind of start to grow like this. And in leadership, it's great for facilitation and distributed just roles and responsibilities. But I kind of translated that as far as like things within our lives that are growing against each other that can cause the tree to split or cause harm or cause shorter life. Perhaps living two different lives to the point of a breaking down or a breaking point, not allowing us to be our most authentic self. Pruning hurts. It is creating space by removing the unnecessary to allow for new structure and growth to take place. It's being patient in the process and understanding the long-term potential. Our lemon tree just gave its first lemons after four years and it was just like, wow. I had to text pictures to my mom and mother-in-law and everyone, all the doubters are like, why are you shaking the flowers off? Why are you cutting it down? Just let it grow. I'm like, it's a, it's, it was a beautiful process and now, now, now the care begins. Cutting something out of our own lives is difficult. There is somewhat comfort in the hoarding of habits, routines, and beliefs. And perhaps it's our issue with scarcity or not feeling like we have enough. It becomes extremely difficult when we're constantly reminded of what we lost. Unlike humans, trees do not heal. They simply seal. The scar of the past will remain, but it will allow for you to see the new life that has come from what was once present. Sucker or water sprout branches are branches that shoot up from either the canopy of the tree or from the trunk of a developed tree in response to a pruning or an injury. It is often the immediate response of a tree to grow branches even if they are unhealthy. The question is, what do you allow to grow in your life that takes life and energy from your true growth? For me, it was the branches of comparison, self-doubt, anger and frustration, and impatience that I didn't have it all figured, to, figured out or the term like my ducks in a row or whatever people want to call it. These things, kept, these things crept into my life once I cut others defining success for myself. In the same way we prove things that once brought us life, it's just as important to recognize what is growing and if it's adding to our overall health or sucking water or nutrients from our core. I will not talk about pruning anymore. I want to move into what I like to call mulching or composting of the tree. Once we move on from the pruning process, we must recognize there is an opportunity to allow for these materials to be used to transform themselves. In my work as running a compost organization, uh, one of the constant phrases that my staff uses is that there is no such thing as a way. From a material standpoint, nothing just disappears, as well as our trash, recyclables, etc. It always goes somewhere. Those materials can stay local or they can be sent away to another neighborhood or community. And that was me taking, do we allow our pruning or our problems, our past, and send them out? Have other people deal with them, put the blame on other pe people? Or do we allow for them to be worked locally within ourselves to contribute to the growth of ourselves? It's become almost impossible for me not to connect most conversations I'm having with people with the process of compost. But I think for this conversation, it, it is somewhat applicable and appropriate. From the undeveloped fruit, dead leaves, to the pruned twigs and branches that were removed, the compost pile wants it all. The pile holds space for the collective prunings, broken limbs, struggling fruit, 
and diseased leaves to come together and recognize that as individuals, they are incomplete and that wholeness is only achieved in community. Compost in many ways is allowing the spirit to work through the imperfect, painful, or underdeveloped pieces of our lives. It is the communal approach to build life through death and requires one to wait for transformation to begin, reminding us that we are the mere ingredients for the spirit to work with and through. This process of compost is not something quick and easy. It requires one to coexist with the imperfect offerings of others, and the act of being in community with one another often leads to intense temperatures. So if you've ever composted before, there's four ingredients. There's carbon, which is like mulch leaves, twigs, or prunings. There's nitrogen, which is like food scraps, coffee grounds, grass, green material, and air and water. And in many ways, I feel like the process of compost is the church at work. It's like this is the compost pile, a bunch of imperfect people learning how to coexist well with one another, allowing the spirit to work with and through us as we develop and create something that we can give away. Uh, if you've also worked with compost pile, when you bring these ingredients together, they get really hot. Not because of the outside temperature, but because of the inner working Hunger Games Game of Thrones activity that's taking place <laughs> inside of it. 140, 160 degrees, to, it's, it's hot. And if you've ever been in a heated discussion, it's also hot of like living in community with people who don't look, think, or agree with the things that you believe. But I think that's the beauty of of compost and that's the beauty of the church. It's allowing ourselves to hold space, be transparent and vulnerable, and not compare despair, but understand that we're all going through something. And it's our collective prunings that create something powerful. Because an orange tree who drops its oranges, the fruit will rot and only become so beneficial to that root zone. But the oranges that were collected next to the apples, peaches, pears, grass, hay, straw, newspaper, the collective unwanted materials those things brought together, that's where the spirit enters and starts to work. At the microscopic level, there's this incredible network of microorganisms breaking down the ingredients of the pile, decomposing them in a way where the original ingredients are somewhat unrecognizable. To me, this is patience, sharing space with others, waiting for the old pieces of our lives to break down and allowing for the network of microbes or spirit to do what it does. The mulch that was created from broken twigs or branches and compost that has been cured and is ready to add life is now ready to be added to our collective soil or soul. Question is, do we allow for the once imperfect, broken, or undeveloped pieces in our lives to be, to be placed on or even near us. And even in the process of compost or mulching, there's still things that you recognize from the original ingredient that you placed in that can cause hurt, pain, despair, but it also serves as a reminder of what once was. And in this process, again, not a microwave approach, it requires you to be still. It requires you to wait. It requires you to be out of control. I really think that's the beauty of gardening, is that it's almost one of the one, very few acts where you are not the master. You are not in control. You can be called a master gardener. You can know permaculture, horticulture, all the whatevers. You can do everything right and still not receive a harvest. 
You can go on vacation and forget you had a garden and come back to an oasis. And it's a beautiful reminder of just simply us not being in control and waiting for something good to happen. Talked about pruning, talked about mulching and composting. And I kind of want to talk about what allows a tree to produce fruit outside of pruning and mulching. It's the health of the soil. And in my opinion, diverse soil, as well as diverse bodies and communities, create resilience and create some of the most robust life on this earth as we know it. For those of us that have gardened, there are many types of soil. And for those of us that have lived in community or have families or friends, there's also many different types of people. Uh, I had an opportunity to teach in Florida and my kids, we wanted a garden, but in Miami, it's majority sandy soil. So they watered the tree and that water just drained because at the microscopic level, sand particles are very large. So water just drains really quickly. For those of us here in Los Angeles County, we deal with very much clay-like soil, really hard and compact soil. That the few days that it does rain, what happens to that rain? It doesn't go into that soil, it just burrows over to our drains, to our watersheds, to our oceans. So there's a range of soils between clay-like and sand-like, but I wanted to speak on what is our capacity to receive life in the same way a soil receives water. In many ways, we've heard in the past that water is life. We all depend on it. Trees and plants need it at varying degrees as well. Water in our lives can really be anything that contributes to our soul or spirit, and perhaps it's even receiving fruits of the spirit from all others or those around us. The structure of our soil or soul or inner being and how it's constructed really determines how we receive life. When I was writing that, I thought of one of my favorite movies, Nacho Libre. Um, and Ignacio, the wrestler, the main character by the award-winning actor Jack Black says, underneath a man, underneath the robe is a man, and underneath the man is his, and he's like kind of confused, and he's like, his nucleus? And he's just like, didn't have the word to like state like what was inside of us, and soul, spirit, ethos, whatever you want to call it, your inner being, is it in the same way our so the state of our soils. It's compact, it's loose, the structure is diverse. And sometimes I ask ourselves, have we hardened ourselves like clay that it's become almost impossible to receive anything from anyone? Do we simply let this water sit on top and evaporate in the, in the rain example that I give you? When someone wants to provide you with a meal after you know, you had a baby, or if someone wants to spend time with you or to hold space for you, do you just kind of numb yourself and close yourself out, allowing that life and investment to just stay on top and evaporate? Or do you let it enter and add life and value to yourself? I personally find myself in this position very often. Uh, I really don't receive the good that friends, colleagues, family, coworkers try to add to my soul. And I think a good example is how I disagree with Yvette. Um, when we are in an argument or don't see eye to eye, I realize very early that my wife is a verbal processor and I sometimes shut down or just stay silent. And sometimes I've used that excuse to just not have to engage with it. But 
she was hitting me with some really heavy good words that I needed to hear often. But when I shut down, I just let that let those words sit on top and let it boil over and don't let it permeate my soul. On the flip side, I'm also, I, I can also be sandy sometimes. I can just let whatever is given to me just go th straight through me and not retain it. Uh, my wife really has helped me become more patient, to be a better communicator, but oftentimes her words and many people's words simply drain through the little opportunity they have to stick to me. Many trees and plants cannot survive without the proper soil type. To allow fruit to prosper, there must be a healthy balance. A balance of organic matter coming from the compost or mulch, a mix of sand and clay, as well as mulch to cover and protect our inner workings. When our soil is not right, our very being provides us with signals and warns us that change is needed. We see this in trees and in gardens. Who here has gardened before? trying to grow food or fruit. What are some common things we see in gardens that are like, ooh, I messed that up for sure? What are some things that you see in the garden? Weeds? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, if you had something, sometimes the very plant itself is trying to communicate with you like, help, help me. The, the leaves are, are yellow, they're brown, they're burnt. Uh, they're stunted growth. The flowers aren't developing into fruit. Aphids, like all this is contributing not to the plant itself, but to what's going on underneath. When we're not producing fruit, when we're not our full selves, our most authentic selves, there's things in our own body and mind and spirit that alarm us as well whether it's panic, anxiety, stress. But I also want us to realize that it's not just about the fruit. It's about what's below the fruit that allows fruit to be fruit. Yellow leaves, nutrient deficiency. Browning of leaves, it's lacking potassium, stunted growth, phosphorus. We, in this state of not being what we hoped we would be, is a time where we start to look around oh, wow, look, look how they look. Man, like, look at their garden. Look at their life. Look at their family. Look at their career. Look at their house. And in this state of comparison is where we start to, one, get frustrated, but we also turn to the synthetic additives to stimulate our growth. I'm not here to downplay anyone's gardening practices, but industrial farming sprays chemicals and specific synthetic fertilizers to allow plants to grow because the soil is just dead and depleted. And in many ways in our lives, we can spray our lives with synthetic relationships, experiences, false hopes to receive that instant gratification on demand, beautiful cherry tomato. Killing the soil, the spirit's workings, and the diverse community that was working within us along, along the way. Oftentimes our inability to work on ourselves is simply due to the fact that we're focused on everyone else's growth. And if we are growing, sometimes we fall into the trap of flaunting, oh, look at our fruits, look at my fruit. Look how lovely I am, look how patient I am. Verse 26, in one of the translations says, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. How do we focus on ourselves while still supporting those around us? Does our envy of others' fruit or overall health cause us to shut down? 
Does it resort to unhealthy means to obtain instant gratification? I find myself here often, uh, just comparing myself to like friends who I've graduated college with, where they are at in life. Was the decision I made the correct one? And rather than focusing on my soil and my mulch and my canopy, I'm giving power to others who, who don't need it. And I guess I want us to realize that getting stuck is very common, and many of us are in that state of being stuck very often. The state of, this state of being stuck is very difficult to be in. We feel as if the world is against us, nothing can go right, our fruit is not developing, in our minds everyone else is thriving, so we isolate ourselves from those around us. We hold on to toxic growth, pouring energy into our deranged branches. Whatever leaves or branches fall off, we throw them onto others to handle, not engaging in the healing process. We've hardened our soil to the point that nothing or nobody can enter and share space with us. We've completely isolated ourselves. Any fruit that was growing is now rotting or taken by something or someone else. I feel like I have done this many times over the past few years of my life, as far as isolated myself from family, from friends, from just anyone who I was comparing myself to in the state of being upset and angry. And I think there's things in our lives that are the beautiful reminders that even if our soil is poor, even if we have no fruit to show, even when we're on the brink of losing all hope in life, we see something grow. And there can be two things that grow, in my opinion. I will use two analogies. The first is a weed. And my, a weed grows near the base of our trunk, assuming we're a tree, and our natural instinct is to pull that weed, trash it, send it far away. But in my opinion, this weed serves as the ultimate reminder. For many foragers, medicinal growers, or soil enthusiasts, weeds are simply called misplaced plants. The weeds growing in the cracks of asphalt or on the side of the freeway remind us that even when we've done everything to stop growth from happening, covering it in brick, concrete, asphalt, and cement, life continues, the spirit continues to work, and the stillness and the silent, and there is no such thing as not being able to move forward or grow. Uh, the art of weeding in clay-like soils really tests your, your patience as well. But the fact that weeds grow in the most poor conditions are a reminder that there is still life and opportunity for things to develop. Weeds prove that even in sandy soil that doesn't retain water, or clay-like soil that hardens itself to everything and everyone around it, growth is still possible. If we're not reminded of this growth, more weeds will come, reminding us to the point of growing as tall as the tree itself that we cannot ignore these reminders. Will we simply let these, re these resilient reminders grow around us and hide in the shadows? Or, we will, or will we allow them to be added to the compost pile to bring back life to our soil? I didn't want to relate my two sons as weeds because I just, I just felt like that wouldn't have been good. So I'm gonna call Ezra and Diego the seeds of my fruit that have fallen on the compacted soil around me. And I think for kids or just really anything that pops up in your life that you weren't anticipating to have the impact that it had. Like, my two sons were like the reminder that goodness can still thrive. 
And I guess I want to ask, like, what are the reminders in your lives? Because one, life is hard. Two, death is inevitable. But three, like, death is, like, what makes our days matter and count. And then compost, I know I always go back to compost. <laughs> compost is death leads to life every single time. So I am grateful for my two sons. I am grateful for my wife. And despite the fact that my soul or soil doesn't allow a tree to thrive, that goodness can still happen. I want to close with the spirit or our church and community. The question I have is, how do we cultivate the soil? How do we cultivate our souls in community, inviting the spirit to guide the creation of new things, allowing the spirit to decompose, resurrect, and regenerate? How do we be patient in this very difficult process? How do we create the conditions for the spirit or beneficial organisms to thrive and be present? And my response is, which I'm not very good at, is you have to be open. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be transparent. You have to code this well. When I think of this church and this body, and I think of the work that this church is doing, all of us require pruning in our lives. All of us at one point also need to be vulnerable to allow for the collective prunings to be gathered. The church, of our, the church or our community must coexist well during the difficult process of death, decay, and decomposition. We add water to one another and communicate with one another. We share our fruit. We must try and give and receive throughout this entire process. When I think of the spirit at work throughout this entire process, I think that we need support when going through that difficult pruning process. We need the spirit to work through our collective imperfections to get the mulch or compost that our soils desperately need and desire. The spirit reminds us of, the spirit gives us reminders that we are never beyond repair. And finally, the spirit is a network that allows for the ultimate community to take place. If I were to ask you all, what is the largest organism on this planet? What response would you give me? That is a question. Shout it out. The planet, oh, that's a good one. Oftentimes I feel like we think of, or we resort to like animals or elephant, blue whale, etc. but the world's largest living thing is actually a fungus. It is called Armelia orstoyae, and it's nicknamed the humongous fungus. And not to put the Holy Spirit in a box and connect it to a fungus, but the fungus is an organism that is over 2,385 acres, four, miles wide, four square miles wide, under an old-growth forest in Oregon. And when I think of what the mycelia in a fungal strand does, it's essentially the internet and freeway beneath the soil. When a tree is hurting or needs nutrients, it literally provides the pathways for those nutrients to be shared with that tree. If a tree is hurting, the fungal strands allows for that tree to communicate with the larger forest that it is in need of support. And to me, like, that is the spirit in, in many ways as far as working through our own lives, allowing us to communicate when we don't want to, showing up for us when we just want to 
to be isolated. The Spirit shares, it communicates, it stands in and fights for us when we are too weak. This process is not quick nor easy. As much as we need the fruit of patience, we need all of them equally. Let us not focus on just producing fruit. Let us create the conditions for fruit to survive and thrive. Let us not hoard onto the fruit, but freely give it away by focusing on the whole. May we become patient to the point of being okay with not ever experiencing the end result of our work, even to the point of giving ourselves away. There's two quick, there's one quick story I want to say is almost all citrus trees that we buy from the store are grafted onto the rootstock of another tree. So what grafting is, is you take a hardy rootstock, chop what was growing on top of it, and mend a fruit tree of your choice to rely on the strength of that root to provide the nutrients and water to allow for it to grow. That to me is like the ultimate patience and sacrifice of, I'm gonna build my root systems without ever seeing the fruit that would have come from myself, and I am gonna give myself away for the other or the many or those next to me. And I wanna close with two things, saying maybe plant trees whose fruit we will never eat and whose shade we will never sit in. Let us collectively cultivate our soils and souls to reconnect ourselves with the spirit and with one another. I shared this verse maybe last year when I was doing a prayer and I always feel like it's a really good reminder of patience and the long view. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our effort, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom is, always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's missions. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that will one day grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may, not, we may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders. Ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future not our own. Amen.